0: Jewish audio on Kabbat.org. We are learning Bavakamad Davkuf Yud Beis. We left off on Davkuf Yud Beis, all the way on top of the Ahmed, top line Rav Adah Barahava. Before we go on, let's quickly review two arguments, two machlekisin, that we had on Davkuf Yud Aleph Ahmed Beis between Amiraim. And what will be mamish amazing is that the Gemara is going to start quoting various brises. And we'll see how the Tannaim wrote in a more general way. And each Amora interprets the Braisa according to his opinion, according to his Shita, the Shitasi. So, firstly, we learned the Machlaikas regarding someone who robbed or stole an item, let's say food, and a third party consumed it. As an example, the Mishnah gave a person gave it to his children, but it really doesn't only mean children. And now that which was stolen is not here, it was consumed. So the opinion of Rami Barhami, as we ended off yesterday, is that a third party will never be liable to compensate the victim when the item is no longer here. We're speaking about in a scenario where they didn't even know that the item was stolen. Obviously, the robber will have to compensate. Rab Chizda, however, said that there are certain times when the victim can choose to demand the compensation from the one from the third party even though they were so to say innocent and that has everything to do with yish if the original owner already gave up hope of finding or get, receiving back the item the item that was stolen then he cannot go to the third party he can only go to the robber to the ganav to the thief however if the third party consumed what the food before the owner before the victim gave up hope As we learned yesterday, according to Rab Chizda, Ratsami Zegueva, Ratsami Zegueva. That's one argument. Now there's another topic. And this topic will be when someone, God forbid, stole something and he died. He passed away. And now the children inherit the father's estate. Here, the item that was stolen is here. The question is, are they obligated to return it? And that has everything to do with the following. That number one, if the original owner already had Yush, And the number two, which is the argument, whether we view Yerusha as a buyer, is an inheritor, a purchaser. Did this item undergo a change in ownership? Was there a Shino Yerush? And that is indeed the opinion of Rami. Rami holds that rishos Shus Yerush is like a Shus of Elikeach. So being that you had yush and the Shinnah shoes, the heirs don't have to return it, even though it's Ben. And that was actually, that appears to be what the Mishnah that we learned yesterday in Davkuf Yidal of Ahmed Bey says, that someone robbed, and he left the article for his children as an inheritance, they don't have to return it. And the Mishnah's wording seems to be referring even to a case where the item that was robbed is still here, still Ben. Again, based on the fact that it was both yiyush and shenureshos, Rava disagrees with Rami. Rava holds that a yoydish, a an inheritor, an heir, is not like a purchaser. The item that the father stole did not undergo a transference of domains, and we are learning our entire sugya according to the opinions that Yush, bichdi, just yiyush in itself, doesn't allow the father to acquire it. So Ravah holds that if the item is Be'en, the heirs have to return it even after Yush. What is the Mishnah referring to? That was the Dechik of Ravah. The Mishnah is referring to a scenario where they already consumed it. And once it's already consumed, that's where they don't have to return it. And again, that's the Machleikes of Rami. And Rab Chizda, whether that's according to Rami, even before Yush or according to Rab Chizda, only after Yush. So having reviewed these two arguments of Daf Kufyud Aleph, again let's take up. Kufyud Be'ez, Amid Aleph, top of the Amid, top line, third word. Says the Gemara Rav Barahava Masni Lohadu Rami Barchama That the version that we had is that Rami Barchama... Learned as then from our Mishnah that says, as we just mentioned, that if the father he niach lifnayam the Yerusha, even though the Yirusha is ba'en, the Mishnah says they don't have to give it back. And that and from this Rami proved, Rami Barchama proved that once there is Yush and a Yerusha, Yerusha is like a sale. So now it underwent a change of ownerships. It's under someone else's dominion. So therefore they don't have to return it. However, Rav Adabah says that Rami's din was learned from the following Brace. It was not learned from the Mishnah, but it was learned from the following b'rais. It says in the Ribis." If a father passes away, and the father had lent money and charged interest, the borrower returned the money and interest. Now let's not confuse interest with theft in the sense that the borrower gave it willingly. But the Torah prohibits a person giving and, a pro- and the Torah prohibits a person receiving. The Torah even prohibits the scribe making the document. He left the father at Ibis. And now the father passed away. The, even in the case where the children know that these monies are the monies that their father received as interest payment, <laughs> they don't have to return it. Unlike their father, has to return it. Children don't have to return it. And on this statement said Rami Bar-Chama ah, Here you see that a heir is like a purchaser because Rami felt that if we were to view Yerusha as Rava does that the children simply take the place of their father but all of the items, the estate doesn't go to a new owner, it stays where it is then he would have felt that just like the father needs to return, the children have to return Now Rava as we just spoke out, disagrees with Rami. Rav and our Mishnah say that, that our Mishnah that says that the heirs don't have to return this article that the father robbed, that's only when they already consumed it. Because Rav holds if its be'en, even if the owner had Yush, since Rav holds Rishus Yorish is not Rishus L'ikeyach, he's Mamosh, an extension of the father. So Rav holds that when his father robbed something, the father has to give it back. So how would Rav explain the din of the B'raisa? If the father has to give back Ribas, which he does, raisa, as we'll see in a moment, why wouldn't the children have to? So Rabbi Amar, I'll tell you, my opinion is correct, that Rashus Yeresh is not Rashus Rishus Dami, the heir is Mamash, the father. The Shani, here by ribas, it's different. Why don't the children have to return the interest to Amar Krah? Because this holding of interest is based on a Pasuk and Parsha's Bahar. Where it says in the Torah, Don't take from him, meaning from the borrower, interest, or any increase. And the Torah really continues, Be fearful, be in awe of Hashem. So that your brother should be able to live with you. The Torah is basically saying that when people pay interest, they can't live. And that's exactly what interest is. That people don't notice it. Another month, another month, another month. You took a loan, $100. Before you turn around, you'll owe the person $1,000. It's unlivable. So the, says the Torah, why does the father have to give it back? The father has to return the bahadach In order for him to be able to v'chai for imach. For the other person to be able to live with you. In other words, Rav is saying, how can you compare dibis with gazela? Theft is theft the person didn't want you to take it, you stole it, you robbed it. Ribis, the borrower, gave willingly. Why do you have to return it? It's a gzeda Even though it was a willing party, and when it comes to monetary laws, I can give you a gift, I can forgive a debt. Normally the rule by money is, we can make any agreement that we want. If we both did it willingly, it's valid. But here the trader was machadish, even though both parties are willing, you have to give it back. Who did the trader demand to give back? The father. So the th- the father has to give it back. Rava says to the son. The traitor never says the son has to give it back. It has nothing to do with rishus Kirishus krishus Lidhi day for the father himself. Khamazalei rachmana. Hashem says you got to give it back. rachmana. So therefore, it doesn't contradict Rava saying he agrees with the B'raisa. A child does not have to give back ribis, even though Rava holds that the yidish isn't the place of his father. Says the Gemara. Now there are two versions of how to read the Gemara. We will not read it the way it's written in the Bach. We will learn the Gemara the way it's written inside. That man, the Maslen Law but I saw those which is Rav Adah Barahava, that learned that Rami Barchama learned his din from the Brayso, called will certainly hold that Rami when he read the Mishnah used our Mishnah as a for sure proof that he's right. When the Mishnah writes that if the father robbed something, the father dies, that the children don't have to return it, even if it's Be'en. You can only explain it based on the fact that the yoidish is like a Lekeach. So there was yush and Shehner However, the Gemara says, Man sin. The version, which is what we learned yesterday, that had that Rami, you learned his din from our Mishnah. avala B'risa Rami Bar Chama would hold that Rami Taka would not be able to prove anything from the B'risa, because indeed what we just learned regarding Rava makes sense. This B'risa doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the topic of Roshus Yerish K'dashus Lekeach. The B'risa has to do with the unique rules of Ribis, in which the Torah says, even though people are willing to do it, the whole Ribus doesn't make sense. When it comes to rentals, if I have a car, can I rent to you my car? The answer is yes. Think about it. Why isn't that ribis? Because what, what's a rental? I'm giving you my car for 30 days. You're paying to use it. You're giving me money to use it. And then you're giving me back my car. So the trader for some reason says money cannot be rented. Because the people who do take interest, they look at money that way. Money is an item that they're leasing, that they're renting. I'm giving you this, you know, you need, you need money, you need capital, money makes money. Here's a million dollars. You're gonna give it back to me, but not now, in a month from now. Give me rent for that. The whole thing is a gazeta sarkosev, and the iker is that every party is doing it willingly. The trader says you're not allowed to do it. The trader says more if you didn't it, give it back. That the trader only said for the lender himself, not for the lender's children. Right. So again, we're gonna have various prices and we're gonna speak out the kids are, how Rabchizda, or Ravah, or Rami, each one will understand the Braissa for it to fit with their opinion. Tonada we learn Tana is a person, God forbid, robbed. And the item that he robbed, let's say, was food he gave to his children, or as we mentioned to any third party, Piturim <speaking in Hebrew> Shalem. being that now the art the item that is robbed is not here. They ate it, they don't have to give it back. Now, one second, according to Rab they only don't have to give it back when the owner had yush, as we just spoke out. Because if, even if they ate it, it's not Be'en. If they ate it when the owner did not have yish, the owner, if the owner wants, if the victim wants, he can go and demand payment from the children. According to Rami, it has nothing to do, even if the owner did not have yush, since it's not Be'en, and the children did not know. He can only demand payment from the robber. Right there if the father stole something, robbed something and he left it for his children as a inheritance. So If the children are adults they have to pay back. Now let's halt cup. One second, didn't Rami just say So Rami is going to have to learn, you know when they have to pay back when the owner didn't have yush. Because even according to Rami, Shinu in itself is not enough. You need to have yush and Shinihu. So this b'raise will be, there's no use. However, here the b'raise tells you a new din, that even in the scenarios where the adults have to give back the stolen item, it's b'en, let's go, and the owner didn't have yush, but ketanem peturim melushalem, the minors don't have to give back. So Rashi speaks out, if you look where we're at in the Gemara, like four lines above. In Rashi, Rashi is the best teacher. That's all Rashi is the teacher, he's telling you, how to I understand? Minors, even when uh, the cotton has something that belongs to someone else, you can't just grab it back. You got to take them to a Toidah. There are not people that have enough intelligence to be considered people that can be called to a So you can't do it. Yeah, the item is here. Me, I'm reading inside Rashi, mechas You still have to collect it. And now Rashi adds, importantly, as we'll see later in this Amid, that this brais is authored by Sumchas. And Sumchas is the one that holds that minors never have to give back. In other words, because you can't take them to Adan Tayrah. We're going to see later that the Chachamim disagree with that. If the item is B'en, and this item is yours, and the robber died, so now his children have it, and they're minors, you can still take it back. That's a we'll have later in this Amid. Back in the Gemara, back in the Brais. However, if the adults, who we just said, who are being told, they have to return it. According to Rami, no use, even though the Shinur give it back. But if the adult heirs say, Ein onum imcha, we don't know the reckonings that our father did with you. In other words, maybe our father gave you back the value of it and you accepted it. Maybe you sold it to him. We don't know what the scenario is. If they say that, they're exempt. Asks the Gemara, that doesn't make sense. If the victim is saying, your father stole it from me. I know you guys are innocent, but give it back. And they say, well, we don't know what happened. This is their classical Bari veshema, And the rule of Bari veshema is Bari Yadav. If one has a certain claim and one has a doubtful claim, then the certain claim is stronger. Because they say, we don't know. They're saying Shema, they're pater. So, explains rava, Hachi you have to tack and explain or learn into the braisa. If the adult heirs say, anu avinu imcha. We know what our father calculated with you. And we know that, v'lay posh, lach, gabe, v'lay midi. that nothing that is of yours remained in his possession. In other words, we know that our father settled this theft this robbery with you. Ah, if they make that claim, they're putter. Now here the problem is, what gives them that right to do it? Let's make something very clear. If a robber himself says that, we don't believe him. In other words, if, if Ruven tells Shimon, you, you stole something, you robbed something, and Shimon says, yeah, I stole, but I already settled it with you. You don't have the right to do that. So why will the children have the right to do it? That's a big issue here. So if you look inside quickly, the second to let's read the second answer. The to says, inami. Second answer in the second place is that our case is referring to she'en edig zelom, that there are no witnesses to it. That means when the, when the victim is accusing the heirs, your father robbed, he doesn't have any proof. So what gives his of credibility? The children's admitting. But the same mouths that are admitting, yeah, we know that our father robbed, but we know that our father already settled with you. So either you believe the kids or you don't believe the kids. That's the case of the Braissa. Back in the Gemara, tying it up, we learn another brayso. Hagoyzolamaykel. The Bach adds the words s. Hagoyzolamaykel is bonaf. Again, so the item that was stolen is not be'en. Patuda meloshalem. Again, we explained it already. According to Rami, Ya yish. No yish. According to Rab Chizda, only after yish. If the father died, passed away. And he left the item for the children as an inheritance. In other words, the item that was robbed is Ben. It's here. No matter how old the children are, they have to give it back. Mamma is the opposite of what we just learned. Why will the miners have to give it back? What's the din of a minor doing damage? What did we learn together? That. Miners, even if they damage, even if they damage, can't take them to a tentator. They don't owe you anything. So I'm a papa, the papa says, nah, hakmish comparison. Miners that damage, you can't take them to a tentator. Here, the item is still here. It's different. That if the father is robbed, and he, he died, and the item that he robbed is Be'en, here, bein k'doylem, bain katonim, they're chayiv, and this is not sumhus, That's the Chachonim, who hold that you don't have to take minors to a dintoira if the item that was stolen is Ben. Right. By the way, this is actually halacha l'maisa. If something that is mine is in your property, I don't have to take you to a dintoira. I can go take it. Not only can I go take it myself; I can break your door and take it. You no, know, that's the argument. Is it something that is a, a for, for which a din is needed? Or these are the cases where a person says, why should I go to a din toira? Makes sense. I am saying that I know. And that's the din. I can, if the item that you stole is worth a dollar, and your door, your lock is worth a thousand dollars, I can break your door down and take it. Done In this scenario only. I'm making my own din. Uh, we're moving on to another case. Every line here. In yeshiva, we can spend a year and more. Look at this. A father borrowed a cow, let's say for 30 days, and the father passed away after 15 days. Think. You can think of forever. No, we have, we're, we're lucky. We're the Jewish people. We got this be What do you do? No, a qu- can the children continue to use this cow as borrowers? Or not? Says Rava. The children can use it until the end of the term. And not only that, but look at this. That if the cow dies, they don't have to give back the value to the owners. Now, the rule of a shoyal and a mashal, mashal is the lender, the shoyal is the borrower, that a borrower is chayif to compensate even by yoynes. Even by yoynes. The children will be exempt by yoynes. It's like a win-win for the children. It's like a lose-lose for the owner. Says Rashi, why? Because on the same height, maybe one line above. Because the concept for someone being high to compensate, even by an oinus, is a Hidish. Why is it so? I did nothing wrong. It was a freak accident. Because when I borrow something, that was my agreement. Who borrowed it? The father. So ironically, the children get all the rights from the father. They get the schusim. But they don't get this level of achrayis. Here you have a case where you can have a schus without achrayis. That's the Americana Gemara. People like it like this. Now, says the Gemara, however, what happens? Another case. The children inherited the cow. They had no idea it was barreled. They thought it was their father's. And they go and they shecht it and they eat it. Now what? Rav says another leniency. We cannot call the children a mazik. If the child is a mazik, you have to compensate. Adam, that's mazik, even Boeinus, they're not a mazik. It's not even called a mazik, because they simply took something that was in the father's estate. Now, if they're not a mazik, on the other hand, they benefited from someone else's property. Ah, for that they have to compensate, but they only have to compensate for the value of their benefit, we had that before. So for example, in the case of meat, the children can claim, had we known that we would have to pay for this meat we never would have eaten meat we don't eat meat meat is too expensive but the sages say that people who don't consume food because it's expensive when there is a sale they would buy it how much of a discount is considered a discount that people would say even though i don't eat meat but this meat i'll eat if it was one third cheaper that's enough so says it bezoil that you take that meat you make believe it was on sale Know, they would eat it, even though they normally don't eat meat, to economize money. And that two thirds of the value of the meat they have to pay to the owners, says Rava. And now this third statement is either qualifying the case of an aynus, or it's qualifying the case of them shechting it and eating it. If the father left property which is leaned to the to this cow that was borrowed, then they have to pay. Now, says the Gemara, those, there are those who learned that this final closure of Rava refers specifically to the first case, that if they, an oinus happened, the cow died, even though the children did not, were not Nitirusa. here they'll have to pay because the land is leaned for that. And the other people that learned this final statement, that if they shechded it and they ate it, if the father also left them land, then they have to give full value of the cow back to the owner. Reisha will hold Seifa. Of course, because the Reisha is speaking about a case where they did nothing. The cow died by itself. They're less involved. And if even there, if the father left land, being that the the, the, she, the sheila is linked to the land by the father. So the land, so to say, is the guarantor from the father, so they have to give it back. So kolchchena seifah. However, if that would be the case, then Rava will not agree with Rav Papa. And that's the key here. When someone borrows something and the trader says that you're chayv even bo'aynes. How do we look at it? One way is, let's say that I borrowed this from you. Let's say this is worth a dollar. That I'm chayv a dollar right away. That's why I'm chayv bo'inus. Elamah, if I give this back, even the better. But if I don't give it back, I owe you the money immediately. We'll wait to look at it that way. Then it makes sense, which is what Rav is saying. Because the father borrowed the cow, he had land. If he owes the value of the item borrowed and the land is lean towards it, which is that's the case in all debts, so then the father's land already belongs to to the lender. So that's why the children have to give him the land. Rav Papa says that when I borrow something, I don't owe you any money. The item is yours. You gave me permission to use it. Only if it gets damaged from the moment of damage and on, now I owe you the money. And being that the damage happened not when the father was living, and it was an oinus, and the children did not accept, accept upon themselves to guard it, so that the Papa would hold that even with land, they would not have to give him back the value. And however, says the Gemara, there are those who learned it on the Seifa, that Rava only said that if the father left land, and if the children shechted it, that's worse, they did something. They they, they were innocent, but they shechted it. That is where they have to pay in full value based on the father's land. But it wouldn't go under a ratio. Because Rav and Rav Papa will have the same opinion. Where did Rav Papa opine? To Rav Papa. Rav Papa was speaking about the following case. If a person already stole a cow. What's the din of Gneve? I have to pay back the Karen plus... Keyful. and this person shechted it on Shabbos. Now we learned many times together that when a person does one act for which a person is of misa, Kam Abba you don't get misa and also have to pay a financial penalty. We also learned that Kam Abba We learned shita's Rabbi Meir. I think in the, Flamed, in the lamed and the lameds, Rabbi Meir says come the is only said on Kedim. It's not said on a knas. If a person stole it before Shabbos, so then their acting, their Shechita, doesn't oblige them to play the principle. The shita is instead of only paying kefal, if it's a cow or an ox, pay another three times, because it's a total of five. We don't say, the a knas. So even though they shekhted it on Shabbos, for which the five skila, they got to pay the five also. However, says if a person borrowed a cow and he shekhts it on Shabbos, Ah, so we're going to learn the first Peshat Anashi. So, before Yechayim the Knas, you have to be Yechayim the principal. The principal, you can't be Yechayim, why not? Because you're, the same act that is an act of robbery is also an act of Chilul Shabbos, if it was done by you Yechayim Skila, So you're it. You, you don't pay anything. You don't pay anything because if there's no Keren, remember that, Hashem says pay back four or five times, not three or four times. For a cow, who you steal and shech, you gotta pay five. If you don't pay five because you don't pay the canon, you don't pay anything. Now says Raf Papa. Uh, if you're gonna view something that's borrowed, that the moment you borrow it you already owe the principal. Then even if you were that on Shabbos, you would be chayv. Because the canon, if you would learn that the khiv of the canon comes when you borrow it. If I borrow this from you and I already owe you its value. Elomah, if nothing happens, I can give it back to you. So then even if a person borrowed something and shechted it on Shabbos, they would be hived to pay. That's not that way. That's not proper. That when I borrow something, I don't owe you any money. The item is yours. If something happens to the item, now I owe you the compensation of that. Let's go it up on it. I learned in Abras, I'm recording a Pasek and Parshas Asham Gezeiloiz. The person who, st- who owes money, no matter why. Then they swear falsely, exempting themselves. Then they are maida. So the trader says, they should return that which they stole. And the trader adds the words, Asher gazal. Asher gazal says the that you have to return it only if it is ba'en. Only if it's here. If it's the way you stole it, give it back. Which implies what? If it's not the way you stole it, then you don't have to give it back. Obviously, this cannot refer to the robber. The robber, if the robber steals something and then he consumes it, what, he's exempt? So this must be speaking about a case where a third party consumed it. That's the source that if I steal something, God forbid, and someone else eats it, they don't have to return it because it's not banned. And again, According to Rab Chizdev, I did not have Yush, then even the third party can be told payback. This Pasuk is after there was Yush. However, in Yechlefneim, but if it is Ben, if it is here, that means a father robbed and then he died and he left this as a Yirusha. So here we have the Machleikas, Chachamim and Sumchas. So the Chachamim holding <speaking in> the <language> no matter if the children are adults or minors, even if they're minors, you can't take a minor to a Dentaira. You don't need a Dentaira. The owner, the victim says, that is mine. I want it back. You gotta give it back. Sumcha says, kitane Why? Why? Because you still have to collect it, even though it's has And you can only make a collection through a basin. To have a dentite both parties have to be present. The minor can be biologically present, physically present. But his mind is not present because he doesn't have a mind yet. So you have to wait until he becomes an adult. And now we'll go into this topic with a story that Bar Hamot Rab Rabbi had a father-in-law who had a minor son. So the son, the bar of the father-in-law of Rabbi he was a minor. His brother-in-law. Now Rabbi Yirmiya's father-in-law, a, a son-in-law doesn't inherit. What happened here was is that the, father, the father-in-law the father passed away. Rabbi was trying to take possession of one of the homes of the father-in-law. Claiming that he previously had bought it from the Shver. Or he got it as a gift. We'll see soon what those proofs would be. And the minor son was not letting him. Tarak, gale, the door was shut. The minor son did not allow Abirmi to enter that house. I got a problem. Again, Abirmi is claiming, one second, I, a couple of years ago I bought that from, your, from my shver. Where he gave it to me as a gift. And the, son is, the minor son is saying, no, it's my, my Yerusha. Classical issue. Also they came in, the Rav Avin. Yeah, they came in front of Rav Avin. Rabbi Yirmeh came to Rav Avin, so, so Rav Avin says, teve'a, the son is demanding something that as a given is his. It's part of the father's estate. In other words, there's nothing you can do. As we'll see in a moment, you can't even take him to a denotator now, because he's still a minor. So Omar Lay said to Rabbi but however, I have witnesses. He told the Rav, the Rav Avin, I don't have a document that I bought it. I don't have a document that I, get, I got it as a gift. But we're going to learn, God willing, in Baba Basra, the concept of Cheskas, Gimel shanim, That if someone is living or using a piece of real estate for three years or more, even if they don't have the document, that in itself is a proof that they bought it. Why don't you have the document? Because the person says that I have to keep the document forever. I'm here for three years. No one protested. That's because it's mine. Armalei, so it tells Rabbi Yirimiya, very nice that you have witnesses, that you have a chazaka. But for that, you have to have a Dun The turning to the Baldin. Can we abase and accept witnesses if both parties are not there? Again, the mitre, the he was there. But halachically, he's not there. He doesn't have Das yet. To which the Gemara asks, so Rabbi Yirimiya was fighting, it says, Veloi? We just learned the b'raisa. If something is stolen, the item stolen is b'en, the house was b'en, then even though a minor is the heir, you can take it from the minor. <laughs> yeah, so here we quoted the Braissa. But he quoted the Braissa that in this same b'raisa, Sumchus says you can't. So Amalai, so Ravavon tells Rabbi Yirmiya, Like, you're quoting a Braissa and you're ignoring Sumchus, Sumchus and this Braissa says that by a minor you can't do anything. The problem is that Rabbi Yirmiyah has a good taina. That sumchas and the chachamim, You're siding with the with the yachid. Amri Rabbi says that That everyone gang up in the whole world to accept the opinion of sumchas to push me out. Why don't we pass like the chachamim? So that was an argument that Rav Yilme is having with Rabobin. So Adohachi, as they're having their argument, Igalgalmilsaom, this dintreira, this question, not because of the gossip, because of the din. It's kishmak. wow, what's the din? See? That started to roll, and it came in front of Rabobin. And he heard about this scenario says, um, says, Did you not hear that which Rabbi Yosef said in the name of Rabbi Isha'ayah? Um, in the name of Rabbi Isaiah, If you have a minor who is now an orphan, and he takes his father's slaves, because he's, he's, he has no koyach, so he's taking his army with him, and he's going into someone else's field, and he's telling that other person, sheliu, that field is mine says Rabbi Ishayah, we don't tell the minor, we don't tell the presumed owner. You have to wait until he becomes old. You allow the presumed owner to stay there. Even though the minor is claiming that it's his. Apparently, that we pass pasken like the Chachamim. That when the item that's being debated is here, even though the minor is as a minor, we don't care. So therefore, he was trying to claim that Rabbi Yirmi is right. So and however, taka the minor is claiming that it's his. So Adarab, the minor is the one that loses. The minor has to wait until he becomes an adult. So in other words, Allah is like the Chachamim. Rabbi Yirmi should get to the house. So the Gemara says, How can you compare one case to the other? And that's the key. Over there. The The miner is the one that's trying to make the change. As far as everyone knows, that other person has a field. A miner comes with his avodim and he tries to change the status quo. So here we tell the miner, you can't do anything. You want to change the status quo, you have to make it in Twitter. Now, to your detriment, you're a minor, you can't make it in Twitter. Because we're speaking about a case that no one knew that this field that he's claiming belonged to the miner's father. The miner is making a new story here that no one knew of. But in our case, it's the opposite. Rabbi Yirmiya's Shver owned that house. Everyone knows that. Rabbi Yirmiya is the one that's trying to make the change. So here we will insist that we do paskan like Sumchas. d'avua, like in the case of the minor son of Rabbi Yirmiya's father-in-law, we don't allow Rabbi Yirmiya to take it. Rabbi Rabirmiya will have to wait until the minor becomes an adult and then, then he'll bring Adim that he was there for Ches HaShol and i will get it. But not now. Continues the Gemara, Rav Ashi, Shapsi, or Rav Shapsoi. And as we'll see in a moment, that Rav Ashi made a statement, the way it's written here, to which Rav wondered. And that can be. Don't forget that who redacted the Talmud was Rav Ashi and Avina. I googled it, so I don't know if it's accurate, but the uh, Echogazendorten of the Google, that Ravashi passed away in year 352 of the goyish Common Era. Rabbi Yechanon, that Ravashi was born in 352. Rabbi Yechanon passed away in year 279. Rabbi Yechanon passed away many years before Ravashi is born. Yeah, Rabbi Eichanan, no, no, not Yosef ben Yechon. Rabbi Yechon and he founded the Talmud Yerushalmi, the brother-in-law of Reish Lakish. So, so Rab so, Ashi. So, so many people make the version of Ashi. Rabbi Asi said on the name of Rabbi Shapsi that that you could accept edim even if one litigant is not pregnant. So the defendant that is not pregnant, you can accept witnesses. Now, obviously, this cannot be a Blanket statement because Tohi Rabbi wondered if you have two litigants, right? Let's speak about it. and and someone is attacking, you have an accuser, and then you have the nitwa the one who's the defendant. Can you accept adam with the defendant is not present? So explains the gemara kiblumine Rabbi Rabbi said, I heard that statement, but then I heard from Rabbi Yesi a qualification to that statement, that when do we say that? In the following scenario. Look at this. Number one, that the Tevea is ill. You have to have all these conditions together. The teveya is afraid that if he'll pass away, his children won't know all of the claims that he has. So they're gonna lose. Or he's not ill, but his witnesses are ill. Or the witnesses are not ill, Talking the about the claimants' witnesses are about to travel overseas. That's not enough. So, not only is this a time sensitive issue because after a certain time he'll lose it, on top of that, which means that the defendant was asked to come to Adintuida and he's not coming, he's delaying it. So being that it's time-sensitive and he was given an opportunity, the defendant, to be there, and he's not there, that is weird of Asi, said in the name of Rav Shabsoi, that the Beisden can be Meqabal aidim, even though the defendant is not there. And now we're going to learn other such scenarios where we make an exception to the rule and we're going to go into the whole sugya of the procedures that a Beisden does and what happens if a person does come, what happens if a person doesn't come, and ultimately if the defendant loses when will the base finally get permission to the claimant to take to seize that which belongs to him if the defendant is not cooperating so let's go under so, Mitzvah. you have to wait case of are going back you have to wait you have to wait 8 years old is 5 years not 3 years it won't affect, it won't affect, it won't affect anything because he's, he had a claim right now. Sure. He's claiming it right now. It matter, no, well, it doesn't matter. He goes to base Baizdan knows he has a claim. And Baizdan told him, in this case, Rav told him, you got to wait. Okay, so after the Bar Mitzvah, he said, listen, it was mine. Very good. Another statement. It was said in the name of Shemuel in the name. Again, there are times that Baesden will accept testimony, even though both sides are not present. Again, it's a given. That's not a blanket statement. This is an exception. When did he make this exception? to that both sides already agreed to go to that basein. Each side presented their claims. Each side gave their opening statement. And now one of the sides bring witnesses. And basin told a claimant and a defendant. Let's use the words Taiveya, the claimant, and then the defendant is the nitba. So the Teveah and the nitba already went to Basin, which means the nitba accepted the authority of this basin. He already gave his claim there. Now the Tevaya has witnesses. Now the nitba tells Basin, I'm not coming. You're not coming? We're going to hear the, the testimony not in your presence. Abel clarifies the G'mon. But if they wouldn't have started the Dentaita, matzi Omar, a defendant has the right to say, I don't accept this basin. I want to go to the basin in Yerushalayim. Now, we're not learning Halacha, but there is a certain power that someone who's been called to a Dentaita has by saying, okay, you want to call me to a Dentaita? Okay, I'm not going to run away from a Dentaita, but I want my Rav. Okay. In fact, the Gemara, one second, the right, look how far, the right that a, that a defendant has to say, I want to go in front of a greater basdin, the Gemara is saying should even apply if they started the Dentaita. Can you imagine? Even though you can argue, if you started the Dentaita, you, you already accepted it. No, the Gemara is saying, Why can't he say, Why can't he say, Says Ravino that, you know, that here we're speaking about a case. The Noka Discomi Beisden Hagodl. That the, the local baseden sent a letter to the claimant. Telling the claimant this can be dealt in your city. So now that you have such a letter. Even with such a letter. If they wouldn't have started it in Then the back can say I, I don't. So what? I, I don't want. But now that there is a letter from the Beisden Hagodl that says that this should be tried in the local Beisdin and he already opened up the case and in the middle, he starts to feel not good so he starts to ignore the Beisdin. Beisdin calls him, if he doesn't come, they continue proceeding, they proceed with the Dint The local one, one, even not in his presence. Let's move on. Omar Rav says, Rav, another rule. You You certify, you notarize a document, even if and the losing party, the potential losing party, the defendant is not present. Now, we had this a lot, I think in Ksubis, the whole Sugya of Kium Shtaris. Our Sugya goes according to the opinion that you don't have to certify a document. That's I have a document, two witnesses signed in it. And it says that I lent you money. What can be one of your claims? I forged it. So, it, me notarizing it, we learned in details. There are three ways to notarize it. For example, one way will be that the witnesses that sign, they come to Bezdin. Now, whether that is needed, and they tell Beisden, that we signed it. We're going to follow the opinion that says that it's only needed, because the fact that there's a document, that it's a kosher document, and witnesses are signed, it's as if the witnesses are here. You have to notarize it. So on this, says the Gemara, since Rav holds that notarizing a document is only a rabbinic requirement, you don't need the defendant to be present. You got to do it, but you don't have to be present. Rabbi Yechanan says, no, even though Rabbi Yechanan will agree that kiem Shtaras is Abbanan, but the need to proceed in a basin only in front of both sides is so important that even to certify a document, you need to have the presence of the other side. And again there are exceptions. If the other side doesn't want to come and it's time sensitive, but as a rule you need to have both people present. I'll give you the reason for Rabbi'hun because since it says in the Pasik we're going back finally to Mishpatim, to the dinim of Kama regarding a Shoyed Hammuad, if people still remember that, that he was forewarned in front of a basin, and the owner still didn't guard his ox. And it already gored for three times. Now it's the fourth time or two times, third time. From here we learned that means he was forewarned in front of a basin, And this forewarning and the, the procedures has to be done in front of a basin. So that's the source. Whenever there's any sort of claim, you gotta do it in front of a basin. Rav. Again, and even Even if the borrower is not present, we're only notarizing the document. That can be done even without him being there. And more than that, now we're going to another case. Even if the borrower is standing outside the court and he's shenying. Saying, guys, this thing is not true. Either it's a forgery or I have proof that I paid him back. I'm sorry, if he's shouting that it's a forgery, that's when we can notarize it even though he's not in Beizen. They tell him, we're notarizing it. So he's trying to protest against it. He could be inside and it wouldn't change anything. Even though he's not in there, we can do it. However, the E, Omar, but if now the borrower says, Nikita Lizibna Ademaisina Sahadi, I will bring witnesses that will somehow disqualify this document. What do we do now? I can disqualify it says you give him the time now how much time that's the, what's vague here so many people say what is he saying how will you bring proof where are the witnesses so if he says the witnesses are in New Zealand it's going to be a question soon today it's not such a big deal but everyone agrees that up to 30 days you for sure give him now obviously if he makes a claim that he has witnesses around the corner you don't give him 30 days because to go around the block you don't need 30 days but there is a certain grace period that is given to the defendant when he's claiming, I have proof that I don't owe the money anymore. But after that time passes and he doesn't bring the proof, now what? So here's going to be the nakuda, as long as the defendant is somehow cooperating with Beisden. Meaning, he's cooperating by saying, go oh, on a second, I have my own proof. And then later he can say, okay, okay, I owe the money, but I don't have the money. I'm going to have to get the money. As long as there's a dialogue with him, we'll see 30 days, 90 days, agantza megillah. He can schlep out the neshama. At the end, he'll be cornered. And we'll see soon if he'll get there today or Amir teshama next year. If Beis then feels that he's Bakhlal not cooperating, then they go to the end game. Let's see what the end game is. Well, let's go, let's go slowly. Now, the first step is, I have witnesses that I don't owe. So they asked him, where are the witnesses? They're in New York. How long will it take you to get them here? So if the time that he says is a reasonable amount of time, we give him that time. And now, the, if it doesn't come, so, I also, also. if Itaka brings the witnesses, it's good. If, also, the first wide line on and if he doesn't bring the proof that the document is not valid, so Itaka owes the money, now he has to pay. Being that he, he didn't ignore the base. So we don't right away react. First we wait, Bahab. Don't forget we learned that Beis then sits right in one of the takanas Ezra, Mondays and Thursdays. So neutrinoly they wait for him, base, Hey Beis. What Whenever the period of waiting is over. Let's say we gave him 30 days to bring witnesses. The 30 days ended on a Tuesday. They don't even begin counting on Thursday. You begin counting next Monday. Monday, Beis, Hey Beis, Iloyasa, and if he doesn't come, then Kosvinan Pesicha, ilave. Here it starts. They write an excommunicating document, a Cheydom document. You know there's a verbal Cheydom, which is not good, then there's a written Cheydom. It's even worse. And what's the point of this Cheydom? We don't want to keep him in a Cheydom forever. It's just a tool of pressure that they're telling him that until you pay back, you'll be in Cheydom. And now, what? You wait 90 days. We'll see soon why we give him 90 days. The end game is not to put him in him. The end game will be that Bazin is going to give to the claimant a document which will allow the claimant to seize property from the defendant. That's also not going to be discussed here. How do you, he doesn't just go in there and take a property saying, ah, this house is the value. Who says who? There has to be objective evaluators, but at the end, he'll have the right to seize. But you don't give him that permission right away. You first give the borrower time for him to get the money. He can borrow money. He can sell his property by himself. Why do we give him 90 days? Explains the Gemara. Kamoi, the first 30 days, lo we don't, Beisden doesn't allow the claimant to go himself into the possessions of the borrower. Why? So we'll add with the Bach, de'eymur, because Beisden says, kotarach the guilty party is trying to borrow money and it's a lot better for people to be able to get a new loan and pay back the old loan than to lose their property give him 30 days after 30 days pass based again has to give him the benefit of the doubt they don't allow the claimant to seize his property because again the emur the bach will have the same commentary true he couldn't borrow money we're not going to give him forever to look to get a loan. We give him 30 days. And he made peace. He's not getting a loan. But now let's give the borrower a chance to sell on himself his property. The hachom Let him give him the time to sell his property. So again, so for that you give him 30 days. Now what? Why another 30 days? Why the 90 days? Because Beisdun is going to say for the last 30 days. We don't allow the, the, the claimant to seize his property. Because the Aymur Beisdun says, maybe he sold his property. But the buyer doesn't have money. So now we have to give 30 days to the buyer to go find money to pay for the property. But if after 90 days... So look how much time he slept. First he claimed, I have proof the document is not not good. 30 days. After the 30 days, Bahab. After Bahab, 90 days. Okay, now we're up to the end of the 90 90 days. We just explained. Now is where Basin writes a adrachta that's called a seizure document, Rashi Taiches. In other words, Basin gives the claimant, you have a document which allows you to go into the property of the defendant and to take with evaluators the value of the money that is owed. Says, the Gemara meaning this Shleperai is the Amara Sinas only because the defendant is, is somehow co op, fakert. He might be playing games, he might not be playing games. But there was a certain level of cooperation. Abel, if from the outset, the defendant says, I'm not coming, then we don't put him in Techeidim. The goal is not to put him in Techeidim. If Beisden feels he's completely ignoring the Beisden, we give the claimant a document of seizure. Then Kosfinan L'Altir. Then L'Altir Kosfinan, you right away write the seizure, the Adrachta document. The of this is only only correct that you give him the 30 days, and the Bahab, and the 90 days, milva. That's all because we're giving him 90 days, because the defendant says, I owe the money. I don't have the money. I need time to get the money. I want to borrow. I want to sell. But Abel if the claim is not on a loan, the claimant is saying, my article is in your house. What do you mean you have to borrow money? I want my article back. So right away again, Kosfin Kosfinan, you give right away a seizure document now right away is not so simple because if the defendant is saying i have proof that i bought it you give him 30 days to get that proof you give him the first time but after he didn't bring it then he right away gets a adrachta and furthermore when do you write an adrachta only we're speaking about a case where there's a picadon in who even tells Shimon, i gave you to watch my car give it back to me shimon says you sold it to me we gave him 30 days and, I, and he couldn't bring proof that it was a sale. So now we allow Ru'uven to seize. You know when you do it. When when Ru'uven, when the lender, has his own real estate. No, I take that back. Only if the item that is being debated in the Torah is land. So Ruven wants the land, not a car. So now, he gets it right away. Then Shimon says it was sold. Reuven says, I only let you to hang out here for a month, I want it back. Then Reuven gets it back. But if they're debating over a car or any other metal, then you don't give it a seizure document right away. Why? Because because maybe Reuven now is going to seize his car and he's going to use it and he's going to devalue it and maybe eventually the defendant who's shraying, I'll prove to you that it's really mine, maybe he will bring proof later. And by the time he brings proof, the item has a lot less value. The When he will bring proof and disqualify the proofs that Ruven had, there will be nothing left for him to, to take. However, the but if the Malva, if Reuven has real estate, so if later it's proven that Ruven really took something that was not his, if Shimon can collect it from land, it's good. Because Vinan says the Gemara no, it's not enough. If they're fighting over, metaltally, we don't give Reuven the right to seize so quickly. Even if Reuven has land, because, look at this logic, a you never give a seizure document from metaltally, even though the lender has mikarke, because chashin and if we are afraid that the Reuven's land will deteriorate. Now, think about it. If they're fighting over land, we're not concerned if the land is going to deteriorate. Because no matter who has it, if it deteriorates, it deteriorates. If it's Shimon's, if it's Ruven's, there is no additional laws because someone went in there. But if they're fighting over land, the land is only a backup. We don't, give, we don't use land as a backup for this. When someone, when one side is claiming, I don't owe you this metalthalin. Right? The when we write in Adachteram, Maidina we have to notify the borrower. Now when you, if basin has to notify the borrower, what's the downside? It takes more time. You already waited the 30 days on the Bahab and 90 days, and now you have to notify the borrower, basin, that You lost already and he has a document, just be aware. He can enter your property and seize. Says the Gemara, of When does Basin have to notify the borrower? If the borrower lives nearby. We'll see soon what nearby means. But if the borrower lives far away, based in needing to notify, the borrower will be another prolonged amount of time. You already had your 30 days in your Bahaba and your 90 days, then they don't have to notify. And furthermore says, and even if he lives far away, but but this person has relatives, or if Bayes knows of a caravan of people that are going there anyway, so, it's not that Bazin has to invest money and time, it's only a time issue. Then you wait up to 12 more months. And for the borrower to find out independently that there's a shtar adrakhta. Says the Gemara story that Kihad Ravina, I'll prove it to you, that there was a case where Ravina was a rough and Maracha was the claimant. And Mar-Acha, Maracha claimed that someone has land that's his. And eventually, Beisden was going to give him a star adrachta to collect. But even though they were going to write it, they needed to notify the losing party. The losing party lived far away. So Beisden waited a long time for, for them to be notified. Until the bar, the, the losing party who lived in Khoizoy found out. So you see that if Beisden doesn't have to invest money to send shluchim there, because Beisden is going to give over this message, with people that are going there anyway, then you wait up to another twelve months. Says the Gemara, don't prove anything from that story. Elohi. that Hossam over there, Inish Alimahava Maracha was a bully, and the moment Maracha would be given the Shtara drachta, and he would seize the the property, even if later that person would taka bring proof that he never owed the money, he'll never get it back. So that's why they were hesitating. They wanted to to make sure, and they gave him like this more time. The moment Marach would have gotten Adrachta, that's the end. Even if the other side would bring new evidence. Abalacha meaning, but normally, normally you don't wait another 12 months. Even if Bezdin has a Sharayasa, even if there are people going there anyway, you wait a few days, which is, for example, that the, the Bezdin gave out with the Psagdin, and Adrachta was written on Monday. But Bazin found out that people tomorrow are going to that, to the city of the losing party. So enough time for the Shluchim to go there Tuesday. It's a one-day trip, that's the next. Which means that the party has a chance to come back next day, which is Wednesday. Which means he can be in court on Thursday, proving the final chance for him to bring new evidence that he does not owe. But if it's going to take more than another from Monday to Thursday, then after the 30 days and the Bahab and the 90 days, you give the Shtar right away. Let's hop another few lines. Ravina says, Ravina, What happens if Bezdin sends a Shliach to tell the defendant, let's say, for example, Bezdin is calling you, and the defendant tells the Shliach Bezdin, I don't care about Bezdin." And, and we learned before, the moment Bezdin finds out that this guy is not participating, they write a Shtar right away. How will Bezdin know the truth, or you're going to make a Whatever the case will be, based on the shliach telling Bezdin, I did what you told me, and that's what he responded. He's only one person, so Ravina says we believe a shliach like two witnesses. However, says the Gemara of if his testimony will only result in Bezdin articulating a chidim that you do. But if his testimony is going to result avol l'pesicha, cannot write the document of ban because when someone has this document written against him, even after he pays back the debt, until he pays the scribe of Beisden, the defendant, for the charges of the cipher, they will not take the ban away. So a psicha will add another monetary obligation on the defendant. You cannot add din of without having two adim. the the zuzi So therefore, you have to have two adim that tell Beis that that defendant said X, Y, and Z, and based on the testimony, depending on what it is, only then can Beis write the ban emer to be continued.